We're here doing life together. This morning, uh, y'all have to, uh, there we go. Okay, it's working. I want to preach to you this morning from Joshua chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. And I'm going to attempt to minister to you along the lines or along with the thought that I need help. I need help. You know, those of you in the room that are parents, I don't know, uh, you know, my, I only have the one child, my son, he'll soon be 38 years old and, and he's still just a baby even though he's almost 40. He, you know, he would get offended at me if I said that where he could hear it and if he watches this, uh, he'll get over it, you know. Uh, you know, they, uh, your, your adult kids, they're always your kids. And he's a, he's been a good, he's gonna been a good young man and, and I, I appreciate him so much and, and, uh, but most of the time when I get a call from him, he'll call, he'll say, hey, what are you doing? And I'll tell him whatever I'm doing at the moment. Hey, what are you doing? And, uh, uh, and usually the next words that come out of his mouth is, hey, I need a little help. You know, is any of y'all's kids that way? Those of you that are parents, is your, your kids that, hey, I need a little help. More times than not, that's what I hear. Today I need help, okay? I need help, but this is not a message on stewardship. There are two kinds of people uh, in the world that exist, basically, and I'm, I'm putting this in two basic categories. There are those people that follow Christ, they're, they're followers of Jesus, and then there are those people that don't. Uh, but just because I'm a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that I'm better than the person that is not following Jesus, but I do consider myself better off in that I have, uh, I have an, that advocate with the Father found in Jesus Christ. Regardless of which path that a person takes, uh, he or she will frequently find themselves needing help. We all need help from time to time. Uh, there was an old country song that was out many, many years ago. That said, uh, that the words of that song said, need a little help, no help wanted. I can handle this job all by myself. Well, the reality of it is all of us need help from time to time. We need assistance in no matter what we're doing in life. For the, me, I, I and you, if you're a follower of Christ, we find our strength in the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. For the person who is yet to believe, uh, they're going to seek help in various sources, often in in, uh, in the form of uh, substances that become addictive and in relationships that have dead ends. But while many in this world view Christianity as a show of weakness, to the contrary, Christianity is a is a demonstration of faith and and courage. Listen, to follow Jesus, I want you to know this: to follow Jesus. It requires some grit and determination. Okay? To, re- to follow Jesus requires grit and determination. It's not for a wimp. It's, it's, it's not, it's not for a coward. It, it takes strength, especially in the day we live to be a follower of Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we're all going to find episodes of our Christian walk that we will find ourselves weak. In fact, the Bible says that and relates to it because it says when we are weak, we are strong. We're made strong in our weaknesses. We are made strong in his strengths. 
the Bible makes them more than 100 references to the Holy Ghost. If you prefer to call Him the Holy Spirit, that's fine. I, you'll hear me use both terminologies. Same person. More than a hundred times the Bible gives references to the Holy Ghost. And Jesus speaks of the Holy Ghost, the third person, more than He does marriage, more than He does finances, and even more than He does the future, or even the church. So perhaps the emphasis of Jesus is to draw our attention to the fact that He intends for us to make it. I was one of the people, like many of you that sit in this room today, and and many of those that are out there that have yet to come to know Christ, I used to say, I'll get saved when I know I can live it. I'll get saved when I know I can be a Christian. When I've proven to myself or uh, maybe if I've even proven to others that I can be a Christian, then I will get saved. I will testify to you today that 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 is an erroneous thought or that is erroneous thinking. Because let me tell you something. I can't live the Christian life, nor can you. It's only through the Spirit of God that is infused in us when we come to be believers in Christ. It's when the Holy Spirit begins to live inside of us that we can even begin to think that we will live a life that is pleasing to Christ. I can't do it without Jesus. I can't find myself living without Jesus. As we think about these scriptures in uh, Joshua, I put Joshua, that should be John. I'm sorry, I got an error there. It should be John chapter 14. When, when we go to John chapter 14, thank the Lord for spell check, right? Because I know I didn't type Joshua. When we go to John chapter 14 in verse 16 through 17, I want to read some scriptures to you. As Jesus is addressing disciples, His disciples... He's addressing his followers. I want to read to you as Jesus gives them uh, uh, this instruction, this discourse, if you would. Jesus gives them the confidence of saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Helpers capitalize there. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. Speaking to the followers of Jesus. He will be with you forever. Let me tell you something, and this is not to be critical of somebody that is yet to be saved. But if you are unsaved, the Holy Spirit is not when indwelling in you. But yet the scripture says there's no way to be saved apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws us. The Holy Spirit woos us. And the Holy Spirit brings us to, if you would, to conviction of the things of the Word of God that were given in the law. We call it, for the most part, we we refer to it as the Ten Commandments. Verse 17, uh, Jesus went on and He says there, this is a one statement, one sentence, if you'll notice. But in verse 17, He said, The Helper is the Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. 
But you know Him because He remains with you and will be in you. Speaking to the the followers of Jesus. So we see there in John chapter 14 and verses 16 through 17 that we see that Jesus is, is, is telling the church that I'm not, I'm going away soon. I'm, I'm going to be, he doesn't go into the details in this moment, but I'm, I'm resurrected. I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going back to the right hand of the Father and there I'm going to make intercession for you. But I'm not leaving you without my presence because I'm sending to you the Holy Ghost, the presence of God in the third person, if you would, and he is going to abide not only with you, but he's going to abide in you. Now, there are more than a dozen metaphoric scriptures that illustrate the working of the Holy Ghost. But this morning, I'm only going to uh, focus on seven, seven different places in scripture that illustrate the work of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, if you would, in our lives today. Listen, I need help. I need help. I can't do this Christian walk on my own. Quite frankly, if I could do this Christian walk on my own, you ever heard that expression, fake it until you make it? Every once in a while we'll use that along in the lines of music, of playing music when people, they actually, you can buy sheet music and some of you may, uh, may have heard of these before. It's not so much true now with electronics and iPads, but you used to could buy little books that was called fake books. And in that fake book, it taught you just enough of a song to be able to follow along and to play that song. It was a concept of fake it until you make it. Well, let me tell you something. In this Christian walk, we can try faking it, but you're never going to fake it until you make it. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to us through the regenerative work of Jesus Christ as He comes into our lives and makes us new. And He said, uh, you must be born again. And He said, all things, all the old things will pass away and behold, everything's becoming brand new. We become regenerative or regenerated. We're born again of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to help you. I can't do it on my own. I need help. And so do you. So do you. If we could fake it and we can't, we, we, till we make it, it's not going to happen. You see, the people of the, going back to think about the Tower of Babel, they thought they could fake it. They were building a tower into the heavens. They thought they could get there and, and the Lord came down and confounded all of their languages. We can't fake it until we make it. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Ghost working in our lives in order to make this journey and make it complete. We're saved by the blood, but Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper. The Holy Ghost, He is going to come and He is going to abide in you. The world's not going to be able to identify with Him because they've not been born of the Spirit yet. But the church, listen, we still need help. I need help. And because I need help, because you need help, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. He is the Holy Ghost. The first thing I want to share to you, seven encouragements of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. 
The Holy Ghost is my teacher. If I turn to John chapter 14, and you can keep your Bibles open because I'm going to give you some several scriptures for each illustration this morning. But in John chapter 14 and verse 26, the scripture says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I said to you. We need a teachable spirit. Oh God, give me a teachable spirit. Listen, you can try to teach somebody. You you may be teaching somebody that's very intelligent in in the natural sense. You could try to teach somebody that is a very intelligent person that that that, but they don't have or they lack a teachable spirit, and and they won't learn anything. But take somebody that's dumber than a box of rocks. They have the intelligence of a coal bucket, but yet they have a teachable spirit and you can teach them and instruct them and you can show them and you can learn them things. God needs us to have teachable spirits and when we have teachable spirits, the Holy Spirit will be at work and He will teach us according to what Jesus said, all things. The disciples said this, I want, this is the only thing that you will see the disciples ask the Lord. They said, Lord, We need you to teach us how to pray. You ever run across one of those people that you try to give them some instruction, but they already know? It doesn't matter what you try to to show them or to share with them, to demonstrate them or to teach them. They already know. Don't you just love it when you try? Don't you just love it when, when, when our kids and our grandkids are growing up and you try to teach them something and they take it. Maybe you're trying to show them how to work something and they take it out of your hand and they say, I already know how to do that. Don't you just love it like that? But you know, sometimes we do Jesus the same way. Sometimes we leave him with the impression that we already know how to do it. We already know how to get I I think sometimes like me as a parent or a grandparent, when that happens to me in the natural life, I'll say, okay, then just show me. Sometimes I think God's done me that way a few times. Maybe he has, maybe I'm the only person in the room. But the Lord is calling us to have a teachable spirit. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. The Holy Ghost is teaching us, but we can also pursue His instruction. Lord, teach us, instruct us, show us the way, show us what you want to do. Teach us, Lord, by your Spirit. He is there for us every single time. You see, I specifically asked the team to do that way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light of the, light in the darkness. We need Him to make the way. We need Him to show us the way. We need Him to teach us. The second thing, principle I wanted to share with you this morning is He is the wind in our sails. When you read John chapter 3 in verse number 8. In John 3, we said the wind blows where it wishes and you can hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it's coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the wind in our sails. He sets us out to sea. He will lead us. He will guide us. And when He does that, sometimes He just inflates our sails and He sends us on our way. I read a story not long ago and I was, I was reading it about a fella that set out to cross a, cross a body of water, a channel if you would. And, and two, there were actually two guys and the one guy was in a rowboat. 
and he had oars and he was and he was rowing. And the other guy, he had a sailboat, and, and and they set out in a race across this channel, across this body of water. Well, as they set out to go, the the somebody had taught that young man how to row, and he got in his boat and he began to row, and it seemed like he was moving slow. He was rowing against the current, if you would, in a matter of speed, and it seemed like it was going slow. And everybody just knew he was going to lose the race because it was just slow going. Just rowing that boat was slow as it goes. And, and the man set out in the sailboat, and he got a little ways off from the dock, off from the shore and he never raised his sails. He never put them up and the man just kept rowing his boat. He just kept rowing his boat and the man is just drifting along and his sail never goes up but the man keeps rowing his boat and the man rowing the boat made it first to the other side of the channel. The moral of that story is yes the man had everything he needed but he didn't realize the need of raising his sail and letting the wind fill his sails and take him to the other side and he lost the race because he was not aware of what a friend the wind could be to him. Understand with you and I that we need the wind of the Holy Ghost in our sails. If we will raise our sails and we will let them inflate with the wind of the Holy Spirit, He will take us to the other side. He will see that we uh, uh, accelerate and we go and we move into everything that He has for us. The Holy Ghost is the wind in our sails. Thirdly, He is our intercessor. Uh, we 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 know we hear a lot today about intercessory prayer, and let me say this: I believe in intercessory prayer. But a while back, I was talking to a a prominent pastor in the in our in our movement in the Pentecostal Holiness Church, and and I said something about intercessors, and he pastors one of the largest churches in our movement. And he said he said he said intercessors. He said, "What's an intercessor?" And I said, "Oh," and I, I knew he knew. I mean, this guy he 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 pastors thousands of people. And I said, I said intercessors. I said, you know, you know, people that have the gift of intercession, they're innocent. He said, oh yeah, you're talking about those people that know more than the pastor knows most of the time. I said, well, I said, uh, I'm not saying that, but, but I'm not, I'm not talk, I'm not talking about some, some, some work of somebody that has a, is a, is a spiritual guru, if you would, and, and they're way out there and la 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 and somewhere. You see, every one of us have, has inside of us we have the ability to intercede. We have that ability to prayer. We we to pray. We pray and we pray to the we pray to the Father in the name of His Son Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that He's sitting there at the right hand of God and He's constantly making intercession for us. Let me tell you something. We've been doing for uh, a lot of years now, especially since COVID ended. We have been taking on Wednesday nights, and I encourage you if you've not come to Wednesday night service uh, ever, or if you haven't been in a long time, come and be with us on Wednesday night. The first 30 minutes of Wednesday night, we do take a few moments and take some prayer requests. And then from 6.30 to 7 o'clock, what we do is we pray. If you want to stand, you pray, stand and pray. If you want to run around and pray, you run around and pray. If you want to kneel and pray, you run around and pray. But we take that 30 minutes and pray. Some of you, I believe you're sitting in this room because we've been praying. 
Some of you, things have changed in your life because we have been praying. I believe we're seeing renewal and revitalization occur in Voice of Praise Worship Center because you're, we've been praying. I know other people pray and you can say, yeah, but I can pray at home. That's true too, but there's something about group prayer when we come together. But as we pray, as we pray, come out on Wednesday nights, but as we pray, sometimes we run out of words to pray. Sometimes I've prayed out. There's no more names. I've prayed and I've prayed with prayer lists and I have all these names on that list. And I'll pray down that, Lord, touch Billy Bob. Lord, touch Sally Joe. Lord, touch Mary Ann. Lord, touch Henry Boy. God, and I can just go and I keep, Lord, I want you to touch this and I want you to touch that. But even at that, sometimes we can run out of things to pray. Our, our, our minds may draw a blank or, or, or we become empty in ourselves as we run out of things to to pray, but I like what the Lord said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, as Paul wrote that letter uh, to the church at Rome, he wrote these, he said, now in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for when we do not know what to pray for as we would, should, but the Spirit himself gives, inter- gives groanings too deep for words, and he... And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according for the will of God or to the will of God. Listen, this journey is too big for us. We can't do it alone. We don't have the smarts enough to do it. We don't have the intelligence enough to do it. Certainly, I'm not discouraging you from praying. We all should pray. We all should seek God. But let me tell you, there is there is an area of prayer that... None of us have the intelligence and the ability to enter into. There's an area of prayer that you and I get to when we prayed out and we have no more words to speak and we have nothing else to say. But all of a sudden, if we will, if we will seek the Lord and as we seek the Lord and we maintain when we have prayed out, then all of a sudden there are groanings and utterings that come from out within side of us and there are intercessions that will come forth and it is the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit that will begin to pray out of us and it prays groanings and utterings. He prays groanings and utterances that are according to the will of God. I've got news for you. I want to tell y'all something. Some of y'all may think I'm smart. My wife thinks I'm smart. Okay, whether any of y'all do or not. She thinks I'm smart. She thinks I'm intelligent plus good looking. She knows I don't have much money, but she she knows all of this stuff. But let me tell you something: you all might you all might think the preacher has all the prayers. You may think you may think the you, you, know, you may think the guy or the lady on TV that they have all of the prayers. You 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 may you may think that that the the, the intercessor that quote unquote intercessor that you know, and I'm not being critical of people that that operate in the gift of you know of intercessory prayer. I'm not being critical of them, but you may think they have it all. But let me tell you something. If you are if you are full of the Holy Ghost, there are prayers and intercessions in down within you that is the, that are the will of God. I will tell you something. I've I, what I was going to as smart as I may be, I don't always know the will of God. I don't always understand the will of God. In fact, I dare say, seldom do I fully understand, fully do I know the will of God. Now I'll say, oh, I believe I'm in the will of God, or I believe this is the will of God. But when the reality of it is, very few of us do. But the Holy Ghost knows. 
And when the utterings and prayers that come out of us are the groanings of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows the the work that the Father wants to accomplish and desires to accomplish. And when we find that we have prayed out, then the intercessor steps in and from out of our innermost being comes groanings and intercessions that we can't let. So don't get discouraged when you prayed out. I need help, Lord. I'm prayed out. I don't know what else to pray. I don't know what else to do. And all of a sudden, groanings and intercessions come out from within me. And it's not because I'm special. It's Well, I am special because I'm born again of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so are you if you're saved, if you're born again. And out of you will come intercessions, groanings and utterances that are according to the will of God. And you may not even know what it is. Then fourthly, He is the seal of our salvation. Following the writings of Paul, if you go to the the book of Ephesians chapter 1. When you get to Ephesians chapter 1 in the 13th and 14th verse, I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. This, this is a, this is a passage of scripture that it took me a long time in my Christian experience to really be enlightened to, or to really receive a revelation of. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Now listen, we're Pentecostal. And don't get me wrong, I believe in a, I believe in a subsequent spirit baptism, okay? Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. But there is no way that you can be saved apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no way that that you can be saved and the Holy Spirit not be at work in your life. Now, you may have not received the subsequent baptism in the Holy Spirit, but there's no way you can be saved apart from the Holy Spirit. And when you're saved apart from the Holy Spirit, uh, and when you when you are saved within the, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what happens. He's, the, the Word of God there says, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he said, you're sealed. He said, you're marked, and, and you're marked, and this is the first deposit in a whole lot more than what God has for you. I want you to know that, that He is the seal of our salvation. When I got saved, I, I, I'm saying, listen, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they did not know how. There was not a plan of salvation through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. They got saved through the blood of animals through the giving of sacrifice, and they had to go back year after year after year, and an atonement had to be made for sin, because it was not perfect and it was not complete. So year after year, they went through the process of going back for thousands and thousands of years, but then there was Jesus. The perfect lamb that was written about over in the book of Hebrews that says is a sacrifice that was given once and for all. There's another one to ever be given. There's another one that it will never be needed. And when we receive that perfect sacrifice has the full payment for our salvation. When we receive that through faith, we are sealed. And it is the first deposit into everything that God has for us. Listen, when you get got saved... 
I, I, listen, I, 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 I grew up in that time. I know what I'm talking about. Trust me. Believe me. I, I remember those, those times when we used to have uh, revivals every four weeks, every three weeks or so. At least once a month we had a revival. If it wasn't anymore. And, and I can remember some of those churches and because I was there and I was one of those people to be frank about it. And, and, and you would have every month they would boast we had 30 or 40 uh, people saved, but, but 29 or 30 of them were the, or 39 of them were the same ones that got saved the month before. Let me tell you something. When you get saved and Jesus Christ comes into your heart, there is a seal of salvation that is placed upon you. And, and, and listen, if you get saved today and you backslid tomorrow, then there's something wrong, okay? If you got saved this month and you backslid next month and you get saved in the next revival or you need another revival, come on, then there's something wrong. Because when you come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and you accepted His salvation as the free pardon of your sin, there is a seal of redemption that has marked you in the Holy Ghost. I have some keeping power in my salvation. Have I ever wandered? Have I ever strayed? Yes, I have. But there is keeping power in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't get up. Listen, I used to get up in the morning and worry about whether I was going to stay saved today. I used to go to bed at tonight at night and worried about if I was going to be able to stay saved tomorrow. Let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not preaching the doctrine of eternal security here this morning, but what I am saying to you, I have such confidence because I have been sealed and I have been saved and I have been marked with the Holy Ghost. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. I didn't go to bed last night wondering about if I was going to make it through today and be able to stay saved. I didn't get up this morning and wonder if I was going to be able to stay saved today. I'm not worried about tomorrow if I'm going to be able to stay saved today. But as that old song goes, I have somebody with me who helps me on my way. I have confidence in the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I have been marked and I have been sealed with the Holy Ghost under redemption. And that was just the first installment of my salvation. I have confidence in my salvation. I have confidence in my Lord Jesus Christ. And it comes through the, the, the mark of the Holy Ghost, if you would. And then he is the dove of peace. Matthew chapter 3. After he was baptized... Jesus came immediately up from the water and behold the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom, with whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Now let me tell you what happened here. To me this is one of the most remarkable places in the New Testament. And I say that because when we read this baptism of Jesus, as John baptized Jesus, you know, and John didn't want to do that. Y'all remember that? John didn't want to do it, did he? But Jesus said, you got, you have to, you need to, you got to. And John baptized Jesus. As soon as Jesus comes up out of the water, we see the sun standing in the water, and we hear the voice from heaven, the Father, 
and we see the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove. That 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 is the first time in the New Testament we see, if you would, the manifestation manifestation of the Trinity coming all together at one. That's why that's such a beautiful portion of Scripture. Okay, but but here's the thing: we we identify with the Holy Spirit as as a dove, and if that's the most often reference. If you somebody draws a picture, if somebody uh, if they make a new church emblem and it's something about spirit filled church or whatever, it's going to have a dove on it. You know, dove is the illustration of peace that we have of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me share some things with you about that. The dove announced the peace at the end of the flood. It was a dove that Noah sent forth. And then to soothe our, it, it, the, the, the dove is a, he is, the Holy Spirit is the soother of our hearts it, and he is the calmer of our storms, if you will. When everything's going bad in your life, when everything's happening in your life, when everything's upside down in your life, the Holy Spirit has a way of coming in. The dove has a way of coming in and just soothing everything in your life. It, listen, it, does, it doesn't mean that the, that, that the storm is not raging. It doesn't mean that the fire is not burning. It doesn't mean that, that nothing catastrophic is it, it has ended all of a sudden. But listen, true peace, true peace is found in the midst of the storm. Mm -hmm. You know, if the storm's over, then, you know, Jesus comes in and steals the storm. We know he does that. He he can do that. We see illustration in the Bible. But when he comes in and he steals the storm, then there's there's no more any reason to be afraid or frightened. There's no more reason to be unsettled. But when when the storm's going on and you got peace while the storm's raging, you got peace when the when the waves are coming up over the front of the ship. When you you got peace when everything wrong is going on in your life and everything is bad happened in your life. I, I remember one occasion, and this it, this may be trivial to you, but I remember one occasion back in my in my little bit younger days. I'm still not all that old, but in my younger days, I had a boss that that that. His name was Harry, and I probably Harry wasn't a believer, but I probably learned more from Harry uh, than I did uh, just about anybody else in life from a business standpoint. He was he was an administrator, and I worked under him. and And uh, Harry had this motto: "Has my boss." He said, "A little prod in the tail never hurt anybody. Makes them better employees." Now I don't know that I agree with that, but that was Harry's motto. He called me in the office one day. He chewed me up one side. Y'all know what a chewing is? He chewed me up one side. He chewed me down the other side. He wallowed me around in his mouth and then spit me out, if you know what I mean. Threatened to fire me. And our offices were cubicles. He had a door on his, but... They were still cubicles. And he, he was loud. And everybody heard him. So, I just, uh, I just, he said, I'm done now. I left his office. I went out, instead of going to my desk, I went out and just took a walk back through the, the factory. And I was, <laughs> and here come one of the guys, Jerry. Here come, here come one of the guys. He said, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, you just took all, he said, I can't believe you just, you took all that. He said, man, he is going to fire you. 
I said, he said, you're out here walking around whistling like nothing's going on. I said, you know what? I said, God gave me this job. If this don't work out, he's got something better for me. And I took on that attitude. Now, that's nothing to do with me. I'm nothing great. And I won't, I'm not trying to tell you I have great unwavering faith because that's not true at all. But understand this. He's the dove of peace. In the midst of the storm, in, in, in the midst of the chewing outs, in the midst of whatever's going on in your life, he, the Holy Ghost brings peace in the midst of the storm. You know, it, it, when, when, you, when you can have peace and it still be the storm pounding down on you, that's real peace. It, it's not too hard to have peace after everything's over and done with. But it's in the middle of the storm that He brings peace to us when everything else around us is shattered and falling in on us. He is peace. Lastly, He is a gift. But He's not only a gift, a gift, He is not only the gift, but He's also the giver of gifts. Acts chapter 2, I've got to hurry up. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to him, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 12. He said, Brothers and sisters, I want you, I want you to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that first thing, the Holy Spirit is a gift. But the Holy Spirit is a gift that you may be a gift. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit is a gift that you may be a gift, or at least a giver of gifts. So we find that He's a gift and He has, is the giver of gifts and because He lives within us, then we become giver of gifts. For the sake of time, I don't want to move on. on. Number seven. He is a living river. That's a little bit redundant in some ways because any river is a living river. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. It says, Now on the last day, the great day of the Lord Jesus stood and He cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. The one who believes in Me, as the Scripture said... The innermost being will flow to rivers of living water. Jesus didn't say there's going to be water flow out of me. Listen to what he says. He said, the one who believes in me has scripture has said. From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the spirit. And if you notice... I'm reading from the NIV, I think, and maybe NSAB. I don't remember which I, I copied here. But when you read that word spirit, you will find that spirit in, I'm assuming, just about every version to be capitalized. But he said, this in reference to the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, they didn't need the Holy Spirit working in them while Jesus was sitting among them. But Jesus said, I'm going away. So I'm going to send you somebody else. 
I'm going to send you somebody that's going to teach you. I'm going to send you somebody that's going to be the wind in your sails. He's going to be your intercessor. He's going to be the seal of your salvation. He is the dove of peace. He's a gift and He's going to make you a giver of gifts. He's the living river. He's that living river so it'll flow out of your belly. But as soon as I go away, I'm not going to leave you alone. But there's going to be a presence to inhabit you. Again, I'm not getting into doctrinal arguments or anything, but we're not talking about the subsequent baptism of the Spirit here this morning. We're talking about when you get saved, you are not alone. Listen, I need help. I need help. You may be sitting in this room this morning and, and, and you may, you may be thinking, you may be thinking, wow man, I, I've never been saved, but I, I'd like to be saved, but I don't think I can do it. I got news for you, you can't do it. You can't do it. You need help. I need help. Here I am this year, this past March, I am, uh, have to do my calculations, huh? 61. So this March, I was 40, 42 years, 42 years. I know some of y'all looking and saying, oh, he must got saved when he was an infant. No, 42 years ago, 42 years ago, I came to know the Lord. And I want to tell you something, it's been a journey. 42 years later, and I'm still maturing, okay, in my faith. Forty-two years ago, I needed help. Forty-two years later, I still need help. I can't make this journey without the Holy Ghost. I need Him working in my life. I need him manifest him to manifest in my life. He points everything in my life, and he'll point everything in your life. He'll point it right towards Jesus. I need help. I need the Holy Ghost working in my life. Sometimes Sarah looks at me. And some of my antics, those of you that know me well enough know what I'm talking about. Some of my antics, I'm, I'm a goof off at times. And sometimes she'll look at me and she'll say, you need help. She doesn't, she's not talking about the Holy Ghost though, she's talking about other things. But I do need help. And I'm not ashamed to say, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this today. I need you. And when I, if the Lord wills that the sun comes up in the morning and it's another day and it's a Monday, you know what I have to say? Lord, I need help. I can't do today. I need help. And you do too. I'm confident of that. You may get knocked down. But you're not going to get knocked out. You might go under. 
but you're not going to drown. Because He is the way maker. The miracle worker. The promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. So if you need help, you're at the right place. And that's not a concise list that I put before you this morning. It's just a partial list. But if you need help, give it to Jesus. Give it to Him and let the Holy Ghost handle it for you.